Welcome to Monster Porn, Weird Fiction and Horror Podcast. The podcast that puts the odd back in podcast. Because otherwise you just got PCAST and I'm not even wearing my slicker. Today's story is Invasion of the Slorchers, Return to Burnwood Part 2 by Matt Cummins. Invasion of the Slorchers follows from MP3 to Sedetsera and MP14 Return to Burnwood, though neither is a strict prerequisite for enjoying today's show. Hello, Monsterbaters. Thanks for tuning in for another Monday Monsterbation. That's what they call the Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. We hope you're all doing well and enjoying Halloween month. We just want to say thanks as always to those of you who subscribe and support the show in other ways, such as Apple Podcast Reviews. Oh yeah, we got a new one right here. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, it is from Raziel? 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 Uh, Raziel. Raziel. 281. Uh, the title is, Sorry if this posts multiple times. Don't worry, we like hearing kind things. Um, Alright, Monster Porn is the podcast that knows what name the cat gave Lovecraft. I have listened to a lot of podcasts, and of those many podcasts, Monster, or MP, is definitely one. I'm hoping she meant number one. Or he, she, I don't know. Um, I can personally guarantee that no other podcast uses the phrases, see... Um, on me, tea its. You guys can put that together. As much as MP. Ignore the Surgeon General's warning. All of the cool kids are listening to MP. Don't you want to be cool? Keep up the awesome work, you sexy, sh- or you sexy, strange cowboys. Apparently, they're not quite as comfortable with just throwing, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Profane things out as much as we are. Actually, that makes sense. Um, Apple Podcasts will um, not post a review if they find certain keywords in it. Uh, don't ask how I know that. But, uh, yeah, the person references trying to post multiple times, so I'm guessing that was deliberate for that reason. Point being, Monster Baiters, don't say come on my tits in our Apple reviews. We also want to thank our friend Blancabel, Blanquibel perhaps, down in Puerto Rico for the compliments on our new cover art. You all might have noticed we've been rolling over all of our artwork to brand new stuff in the podcast stores and on social media. Uh, appreciate the compliments. Anything else, Matt? Nope, that's all. Enjoy the show. But not that much, especially if you're at work. Matt, what's, uh, well, you're making a face much like the resting, sour, reproductive side of the parasitic leopard toads of Assigia looking guy who plays for that sports team you like. Well, I don't feel great. But wait, you are aware of sports. Yes, as you may know, I want to bring on the apocalypse, and I have to be aware of the things that stand in my way. How does pro football stand in your way of destroying the... Wait, wait a minute. Did you just accuse me of making an Eli Manning cunt face? Can we say that on Apple Podcasts? I don't know. But I suppose if a Manning face was ever appropriate, it would be, it'd be now. Brett, I'm, I might have just ruined our podcast. How did you manage that? I'd like to know before I offer my congratulations. Congratulations? 
Yes, if you do recall, we didn't start this podcast because we particularly like it. We're just part of that swine's plot to destroy the world. Yeah, but you want to destroy the world. No, I only seek to make the impure pure. Huh. Huh, indeed, Matt. Huh, indeed. Now, as you were saying... Oh, well, I was thinking that we needed a more personal connection with our audience. I thought that if they feel like they know us, we'll connect with them on a deeper level. I mean, audio is great, but video offers more vulnerability. So I thought, what the hell? What if we live-streamed a recording of the podcast? Oh, Matt, I'm not dressed for that. You're dressed fine. Semi-professional, I'd say. This feels merely like a disguise without my cape. I cannot do sorcery without my cape. Huh. Well, anyway, I was recording myself, recording the story, and it was going fairly well, but then I I think I got us banned in China. What, did you call out China for the state-run media? No. Did you say something about the torture and incarceration of Muslims? Well, no. Did you talk about them detaining human rights defenders? Not exactly. What about government censorship of women who have been raped and harassed? I wasn't really talking about China. Well, from my mouth, anyways. You didn't bring up Hong Kong, did you? No, I just, well, I had some, I had some really bad Kung Pao chicken from the Dragon Wall, and, and the mic kind of picked up a fart that sounded like... Officers DeSario and Rent left Sunset View Terrace by way of Garden Street before turning right onto the highway and heading west. Long after their taillights faded and dusk took over the sky, a peculiar thing occurred next to the entrance to the Burnwood walking path. A bush, thought to be misshapen, or perhaps to be something other than a bush at all, the officers hadn't put much thought into it when they had been there, began to quiver. The movement would have been jarring if there had been anyone or anything there to see it. But the bush was the only sign of movement. In an area of prosperous, if not downright greedy, forest, and with an overgrown and abandoned subdivision just across the street, there should have been sounds of birds chirping, animals moving through the trees, or a cacophony of insects. But other than the shaking of the branches and the strange thick mold-like growth on the small floral bush outside of the walking path that had, from the officer's view, looked like a strange bush in the shape of two tree people making love. There was nothing moving. Then, through the stringy mold-like surface of the bush, a hand broke free, a human hand. First one, and then several. Just moments before two people a young man and woman stood remade in whose or, or what's terrible image, their eyes glowing like jade green lamps in the darkness. Preceding the War of 1812, Mrs. Lockwood droned on and on. Timmy Collins tapped his pencil against his notebook, glanced to the left, then the right, and then drew a small circle, shaded it, with particular attention to the center, and then slipped the sheet of paper back into his notebook. He felt suddenly faint. I, I shouldn't have done that, he thought. The shaded areola of the nipple had been his first school-drawn tit, and Timmy was sweating bullets. 
doubly aware of the fact that not only was the feline warrior he'd drawn based on Mrs. Lockwood, his boring but undeniably hot history teacher, but also drawing the breast had given him a case of the better besieders, as his buddy Jonah called them. As in, he was rocking such a stiffy that he'd better stay seated. The bell rang. Timmy started to stand, but immediately saw that wearing board shorts had been a bad idea. He placed his backpack on the desk and then stood behind it so that he could glance down and assess the situation carefully. This was a new thing for him. Actually, this was only the third time it had happened at all, and all three of those times had been that week. Glancing around, he quickly tried the uptuck. He reached into his pants and shifted it so that the missile faced skyward, caught in his waistband. Sweating, now he glanced around to see if anyone else had noticed. No one had, but Jeff McCormick was still sitting down, which meant he was probably suffering a similar fate. For a moment, Timmy felt like he and Jeff were unlikely companions thrown together by circumstance, two soldiers suffering in the trenches of a battle neither had started nor wanted. Uh, good luck, brother, Timmy thought as he collected his books and strolled towards the door, passing a cursory glance at Mrs. Lockwood's ample cleavage as he slipped by her desk. Why did you do that? he thought, but then he was relieved to find that it actually made it stay in place a little better when it stiffened. In the hallway, he found pandemonium. It was lunch hour. Timmy cruised down the hall with his head down and his little Timmy pointing straight towards the heavens. Locker, 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 he thought before. Oh, shit. Timmy realized that he was premature in his attempt to do the uptuck, a maneuver he was now sure could only be for high school caliber boners. The problem with tucking it up towards your waistline was that if your ding-dong wasn't long enough, you were only guaranteeing yourself a greater chance of pitching the perfect tint. But this wasn't a morning time bedsheet tint as much as an I shouldn't have worn gym shorts forward facing torpedo of a tint that was surely not only to gain eyes but notoriety. The more he thought about it, the more determined it seemed to not only stay hard but somehow grow painfully harder until Timmy's little Timmy was forced forward like an arrow leading him onward as though he was a ship and the tinted protrusion was his prow. He was aware of two things at that moment, the likelihood that everyone could see this, and the fact that he had an idea for a comic that he wanted to draw later about a detective with an internal compass, like an arrow leading him towards crime. Timmy glanced up and saw her standing there, tall and sandy-haired with freckles and green eyes. Today she wore a polo shirt with a white collar and a pleated skirt. His heart nearly stopped beating. I'm going to die right here. Timmy thought, aware of how terrified he was that she might look over and notice that he was pointing her way. Just then, the books were slapped from his hands as Todd, the seventh grade bully, said, Slow down, Tiny Tim. You gotta make a wee-wee or something, in a mocking child's voice. The papers slid out from his notebooks. There, in the middle of the hallway, lay his drawing of a feline warrior woman with the body of a centerfold, but with cat eyes and fanged teeth. She was tall, muscular, and shaped like a model from a 1980s rock video. Huh, Timmy thought as he felt he would pass out. That's one of my best drawings. The topless and heavy-chested warrior bore an uncanny resemblance to Mrs. Lockwood, which was bad, and she was topless, which was worse, and she was driving a sword to its hilt into a giant but sickly thin demon creature with the balding bespectacled head of Mr. Peterson, 
the assistant principal, which made Timmy want to curl up and die. A small crowd had formed, and everyone was so transfixed by the drawing that they hadn't yet noticed his other issue, which seemed to be solving itself in the small pause, the collective inhale before the wave of laughter. Timmy dropped to one knee and started collecting his papers when Todd snatched the picture up and out of his hands. What do we have here, you little freak? Todd swept the paper wide and said, Oh, look at the tatters on this one. I'd go for her kitty, that's for sure. He waved the paper around in the air. Everyone laughed, even Allison. She of the sandy hair, green eyes, and perfect smile. She laughed, but then saw Timmy and looked down. Yep, I'm dead, Timmy thought. I hope they bury me next to the cherry tree by the river with all of my comics. My headstone can read, Here lies Timmy, whose boner wouldn't die, even after his heart immediately stopped. Timmy realized that he was reaching for the drawing, but Todd kept waving it away, higher than Timmy could reach. I'm going to die right here, but maybe I'm okay with that, Timmy told himself, and then he heard Mrs. Lockwood distantly saying, Hey, what's going on? But no one else seemed to notice that. In the other direction, over Todd's shoulder, he could see Mr. Peterson coming. It was as if the whole world, all of space and time, were converging on a single point, on Timmy and his smutty drawings. The universe had greenlit a coordinated attack to finish off Timmy Collins once and for all. He could see it happening. Mrs. Lockwood would get there and stop the bullying only to find the drawing. She'd give him the consoling smile, but then her eyes would fall on the paper as Todd all too eagerly handed it over. Her smile would turn into a scowl. Timmy would no doubt notice how her cheeks would redden, as would her collarbone and cleavage areas. The color would also bring back his other problem. She would call him the little pervert. As she handed the paper over to the tall, gangly, bespectacled Mr. Peterson, who would take one look at the picture and say, Is this some kind of threat? Are you a violent little pervert? Timmy would try and scream that they were wrong, but his voice would experience its first pubescent crack, and he'd only become more aware of the color of Miss Lockwood's chest. Her large tits would likely get as hot and sweaty as her cheeks. His little Timmy would explode right there in the hallway, and he would die in his funeral. They would let the other kids scribble on his casket like graffiti on the bathroom stall. Here lies Tim, sporting wood or dead pervert here, and maybe even, we all found he was little Timmy in the end. The last would be scrawled by a sneering Mrs. Lockwood herself. To prevent the Timmyocalypse from happening, Timmy saw a moment's chance. Mrs. Lockwood and Mr. Peterson were still far enough away to not really see what was happening. Todd waved the paper high above his head with his feet spread far and wide apart. Timmy, who had played soccer since he was five years old, kicked Todd as hard as he could, right in the balls. The impact wasn't just good. It was 60 yards at the end of overtime for the win kind of good. It made a sort of thwuck noise, and Todd crumpled like a dropped marionette. Timmy snagged the picture and ran down the stairs and out of the back door to the bleachers where he hid for all of lunch. Beneath the bleachers had long been Timmy's hiding place. If his bedroom with his comic books and drawing table was his fortress of solitude, then this was his headquarters. From here, he spent many days dodging bullies, creating plot lines and characters, and dreaming of a life where he 
could have the slicked-back hair and cameo in movies of worlds and characters he created. He also spent a few of those hours thinking of Allison and Mrs. Lockwood. He tried to imagine what Allison would look like when she was older and more womanly. Seeing her face on Mrs. Lockwood's curvy and strong woman's body was too easy. But today, that was the last thing he wanted to think about. Timmy was not looking to challenge fate. He'd escaped. Or so he had thought. But it was just then that he noticed there were a couple of other kids by the bleachers. Looking out over the retaining wall, he could see between the aluminum seats of the football bleachers, there were two high school kids walking on the track. Burnwood Middle School and Burnwood High shared a common parking lot, and on the far side of the property, they both bordered the football field. The two kids were walking around the track, or so it appeared to Timmy. The boy was limping, or something like a limp, Timmy thought. Shambling may have been a better word. He thumbed through his notebook. He went back to a comic he'd drawn as a kid. Well, as a little kid. Three years ago, when he was merely a fourth grader, he had drawn a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. In it, Sonic collected golden rings just as the characters did in the video games, and when he hit a hundred rings, he turned into Super Sonic, a faster and invulnerable version of Sonic. In this particular comic, Timmy had introduced his own supervillain, Cyber Dragon, the Cyborg Dragon. It wasn't the best name, but it was very descriptive. It was, after all, a giant cyborg dragon. In his world, the dragon was going to eat that little blue-turned-golden-pinwheeling rodent in a single bite before belching out all 100 golden rings. Timmy considered his old work and thought for a moment, in a flash of inspiration about the endless opportunities of reworking his original idea. His brain streamed tens of storylines simultaneously as he saw all of the potential outcomes and brilliance, but then, much like trying to hold on to a handful of smoke, when his pen found a blank page in his notebook, it all evaporated. Damn, he said, and then he looked up. The couple had gotten closer. It was Katarina, or Kat, and Evan, one of the high school power couples, or so it seemed. Now that he thought about it, he didn't really know if they were dating, but they were always together. Kat was his good friend Kyle's older sister, and in the past six months, she had gone from the nerdy older sister with glasses and braces the older sister who made you want to stay the night at your friend's house. Kyle had become aware of how popular it was to spend the night at his house recently. Timmy had stayed a few months back, not because of Kat. Timmy had always stayed often. Then, in the middle of the night, as he walked down the hallway to go to the bathroom, he'd seen her changing into her pajamas. The door had been open and Timmy had froze. She faced away from him the whole time, and though he had enough chivalry to close his eyes for a moment, he didn't have enough to seal them shut. He saw her in a pair of white cotton panties and a pink lace bra. She hadn't seen him, or so he hoped. The next morning, when they all got to breakfast, Timmy could barely look at her. But she was acting normal enough, so he assumed he hadn't been seen. It wasn't as if he'd been trying to spy on her or anything. He'd simply gotten up to go to the bathroom, and the door had been open. The lamp on her vanity desk was turned on and his eyes had been drawn to light and movement. And then, despite everything in his head screaming to keep walking, he had frozen, shut his eyes, and then took one good long look before stepping back out of sight. A few moments later, the door closed and he tiptoed back to the bathroom. This seemed to be Timmy's whole world lately. 
dreaming of girls and having close encounters and awkward run-ins, he imagined that it is what they thought too, that they were close encounters. Close encounters of the nerd kind, where he was the nerd, a species of subhuman who had large brains and clammy hands, and who would occasionally gawk at pretty girls with prow pants pointing forward. Timmy was just considering his potential life as a one-man wrecking crew bent on spreading slight social discomfort to all women he knew when he noticed that Cat and Evan were standing only a few feet away from him on the other side of the bleachers. Something was wrong. Cat was normally flirty with her new, short-styled blonde hair and confidence, and Evan was amiable, if not enthusiastic. They both looked despondent, or perhaps ill. Cat's typically bright green eyes looked nearly gray as did her skin. Evan had a nearly greenish tint, and Timmy thought it must have been a trick of the light. Surely Evan wasn't, like, cartoonishly sick, where he'd turn green and start gacking up piles of neon goop? Neither of them were speaking, and they appeared to be, what? Sniffing the air? Maybe, Timmy thought, and it was giving him the heebie-jeebies. Timmy decided to leave his headquarters and go back to class when he heard a sound from behind him. Didn't think anybody knew where you hid, did ya? Todd said. Timmy swallowed despite his mouth having suddenly gone dry and turned around. He found himself alone with Todd in his favorite quiet place, where others rarely came during this hour of the day and teachers were far away in classrooms. He looked left and then right. There was no way past Todd. It was that moment he feared so much. The one that he would draw in his comics, where his budding hero would unlock new powers in the moment when the bully finally had him cornered. The problem was, Timmy was still just a nerdy kid named Timmy. The comic book kid. No radioactive bug bites were going to save him. I'll make this easy, Todd said. You're going to let me even the score. That'll be first. And then I'll figure out how I'm going to make you pay, nerd boy. Spread them. What? 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 Timmy stammered. Spread your feet and put your hands up. What did you think I was going to do, perv boy? I'm not like you with all your geeky little titty drawings and fantasy crap. Spread your feet and put your hands up. I don't care if you open or close your eyes, but just know that I'm going to get you back. Remember, I was our punter last season, and our tailback, Todd said, and Timmy looked down at Todd's massive size 12 feet. Todd was already nearly six feet tall, and had shoulders like a grown-up. Timmy thought about running again, but knew if he did, things would get worse, and fast. Todd was usually just a loudmouth, but Timmy could tell Todd was out for blood. Todd stepped forward, and then grabbed Timmy. There and whispered in Timmy's ear, I'm going to kick your little faggy sack until it looks like a splattered mess of bloody hamburger. Timmy spread his feet, but kept his eyes out for an opening. He wasn't going to give in without a little fight. Todd's going to let her rip, he thought, and when he does, I'm going to sidestep and grab his foot and yank him off his feet. Then I'm going to run for it. It wasn't a good plan, but it was the best he had. He spread his feet and put up his hands, just like Todd said. Todd stood in front of him, leveled his gaze. 
Timmy saw that Todd's face was still red around the eyes where he had been crying. He nearly felt bad. Todd stepped back like he was lining up for kickoff. Then, he took two steps and kicked as hard as he could. Timmy's plan nearly worked. He sidestepped the blow, partially, and took the kick in the hip instead of the balls. He caught Todd's foot, but three of his fingers jammed in a loud pop. Todd fell to one side and Timmy to another. As he fell, he caught a glance of something dropping down from the bleachers above him. There was a hissing sound and something swung out, missing Timmy's head by inches. He landed hard and bright yellow lights exploded in front of his eyes. The world seemed too bright. And then it nearly faded into darkness as Timmy's head bounced off of the metal bars beneath the bleachers. It wasn't the fight that brought him from the brink of losing consciousness. It was the sound. It was like a sucking sound, but it was aggressive and gravelly. There was also a muffled cry that was like the moaning of a baby animal happily feeding from the teat. Timmy had seen a documentary about rescue animals, and there was something, a monkey perhaps, that had made that same sound. It was nearly a slurping sound, but a slurp was a wanting sound, and this was a sound of plenty, of, of excess. The word he gave the sound, the slorch, is what brought Timmy screaming back to life. He opened his eyes and saw two taller bodies standing over the one that lay on the ground, except it was more of a crouch, and there were tubes, no, appendages, maybe tentacles even, running from the two standing individuals. Timmy slowly got to his feet, and then it all came rushing to him. Cat and Evan were standing over Todd. Their heads were back. No, not back. Folded open with large, meaty flaps like petals of flowers. And there was a plant-like quality that was undeniable. Then, from the hole in their open necks, where their throats should have been, there were appendages that looked much like the anthers of a flower stamen. But these tentacled anthers were going from the center of the flesh flower to the neck of Todd, where lie on the ground. The sound, that awful slorching sound, was the sound of the blood being sucked out of Todd's body. Timmy tried to scream, but his voice failed him once again, so instead he ran like the Dickens. His good buddy Kyle saw him spring down the hallway as Timmy headed to the front door. Kyle had the second wave of lunch and had ten minutes to burn, so he followed Timmy. Kyle followed Timmy and found that he had stopped at his locker. The hallway had cleared minutes ago, and in a few more, the bell would ring signaling class. Kyle approached him slowly. Timmy was talking to himself, saying, Oh, okay now, okay. Timmy's curly brown hair was a wreck and his face was nearly purple. His hat had fallen off on the floor next to him. When he saw Kyle, he shouted, yeah, Get back! Don't eat me! Get back! Dude? Kyle said and shrugged. Timmy looked at him and said, Oh, you haven't been... You're not one of them. One of who? Kyle said. You know, one of the... Timmy said, and then he put his palms at his neck and fanned out his fingers and hissed. Is that supposed to be one of those Spitosaurus things from the old Jurassic Park? Kyle asked. Timmy cocked his head to the side and looked at Kyle like he was a moron, and the look made Kyle feel a little moronic. No, 
Dude, that's a Dilophosaurus, not a spit a whatever. Here, look. Timmy pulled a box from the back of his open locker and dumped out the contents. The Blade Runner poster in Timmy's locker was all the proof you needed that the kid had been bored decades out of time. His comic book collection proved this even further. Kyle had been a little worried about Timmy up to this point, but the way he was treating his comics right now set off an alarm in Kyle's mind. Timmy typically handled his comics, even those he brought to school, like a museum curator handling an artifact. Oh, no, 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 where, where are they? Think, Tim, think, Timmy said to himself, and Kyle began to ask him if they needed to call someone when Timmy said, Aha! He held up a comic that looked to be in the simplistic style of the 1950s. It showed a green-faced creature that looked like something similar to the creature from the Black Lagoon, but it was wearing some sort of space helmet, and instead of gills, it had two tentacles that had small suction cup mouths on the ends. The title said, The Slorchers Invade. Huh? Kyle said. I, I saw them, Timmy said. You saw fish people aliens? Kyle asked and then took the comic and flipped through it. The Slorchers wore purple suits and attacked people with their mouth tentacles. No, I, I saw like plant freaking vampire people, Timmy shouted. At school? Kyle said. Have you, have you seen your sister lately? Timmy asked him. Cat? Yeah, she's my sister, dude, Kyle said. Has she done anything strange? Timmy asked. Kyle looked down at the comic in his hand and said, Well, I mean, she's cat, so yeah, she's hormonal and dramatic. She's always been a drama queen, but, well, she left the other night and didn't come home for her whole day mom about shit a brick calling the other parents and stuff but then she came home last night looking a little know, weird evan dropped her off and he looked worse than she did their clothes were all dirty and, and green they said they'd gotten trapped in one of those old houses out on that abandoned subdivision and dad dad was pissed wait are, are you saying my sister has something to do with slorchers Timmy nodded his head slowly. Timmy had never seen Kyle look as childish as he did right in that moment. Kyle was tall and thin with black hair and lips that were so red they looked like he wore lipstick. He was usually one of Timmy's smart friends, but today, well, he had never seen Kyle look dumber. So my sister and Evan ate Todd with tubes? I don't think your sister is your sister anymore, Timmy said. You're not joking, are you? Kyle said, and Timmy shook his head. And you think they are still at the school? Kyle asked and looked around. He didn't believe Timmy, not really, but he was beginning to believe that Timmy believed it, and that was a problem in and of itself. Dude, school lasts for two more hours. If they haven't found Todd yet, we should go tell someone, Kyle said. Are you crazy? I'm not going anywhere near... My... my sister? Yeah, your sister and that freaky dude. I don't know what happened to them, but we've got to get out of here. Why not? It's my sister, dude! Kyle shouted, and then Timmy looked at the comic book and took it 
and turned it to the last page and showed Kyle. On the last page of the comic, a slorcher stood with a triumphant grin on his green face. In front of him stood an army of people, all of the people he'd fed upon. They all turned into slorchers. The bell rang. Kyle talked Timmy into going to look and see what had happened to Todd, to prove that it had happened. Kyle said that he'd wanted to see if they could help Todd, but Timmy knew that Kyle only wanted to see for himself. He didn't believe Timmy, not yet, but he would, and soon. They went out back to where the janitor's shed was and then beneath the bleachers. Timmy took him to where it had all happened, but there was no one there. Timmy looked around the bleachers and then out again at the track. He looked down to where Todd had been laying. There was nothing, nothing at all. But there was an oily spot on the ground. Timmy took out a piece of paper from his pocket and rubbed it on the spot to see what the stain on the asphalt was. It's green, he said, knowing it wasn't enough to make Kyle believe anything. That's weird, Kyle said. Timmy, you need to lay off the comics, and I've got to get back into class. Kyle went back to the school, and a few minutes later, Timmy followed. The hallway was eerily empty and quiet. There were some tests going on, which possibly explained the silence. Timmy had no testing today, though. But he did have homeroom, which was usually his favorite hour of the day. It was in Mrs. Lockwood's room once again. He got back-to-back hours with the only teacher he'd ever found attractive. So far, Mrs. Lockwood had been the only teacher he'd ever had who wasn't just a couple years away from retirement. He walked into the room about five minutes late. Mrs. Lockwood looked up at him. Sorry, he said. I couldn't find one of my homework assignments. I had to go get another copy so that I could work on it. She only smiled and told him to sit down. He was one of her better students, so he had a little credit built up, he supposed. He scanned the room for Todd, who usually sat in the back of the classroom, surrounded by a few of his goons, along with Cassie and Lanny, the two girls of infamous repute in the seventh grade. That reputation was for looking and acting like they were already 19 years old, and rumors abounded. He wasn't there. Timmy went to an open desk in the middle of the room on the other side of the class. A few girls had pushed their desks together and were working on a math assignment. This left Timmy sitting in a desk in the leftover row by himself. He took out his books and started flipping through the pages until he came to the center of his math textbook, where he had placed the Slorchers Invade. He rifled through page after page of the creatures turning people into Slorchers. There was so much death in green slime that it made Timmy want to puke. There was no answer as to how the Slorchers were stopped. The hero never made an appearance. This was the only issue. The comic had been so poorly received that it was canceled after the first print, and the comic book company folded. That is what made it an appealing collector's item. That, and it had garnered a small cult following over time. The story had carried on in the form of fan fiction that took the storyline anywhere from intergalactic warfare to mutants created from pesticides. Crap, he said to himself, and one of the girls next to him shot him a look. Why is it so quiet in here, he thought, and then he heard Mrs. Lockwood say, Mr. Curtis, shouldn't you be down in your own class? Sorry, Mrs. Lockwood, it's just that Tim and I are working on a project together, and I realized we were making a crucial mistake. 
We really need to talk about it, or else he's going to spend his whole homeroom hour working on something we are going to scrap, Kyle said as he just walked into the classroom and grabbed Timmy by the arm. We'll talk just outside the door so we won't make too much noise. This will only take a minute. Mrs. Lockwood looked shocked for a moment, but then she nodded and went back to the crossword puzzle she had been working on. What are you doing? Timmy whispered. I saw them, Kyle said, his face nearly white. You saw them? Yeah, my, my sister and Evan, making out in the hallway. They're in the middle school? Timmy nearly shouted and Kyle shushed him. Yeah, they are. They were in the alcove by the art room. I started to tell Evan to get off of her, but that's what I saw. Kyle said and then shook his head. Saw what? Timmy asked. They're tubes, Kyle said and then wiped his eyes with his hands. Gross, Timmy said and gagged a little. That's my sister! Kyle nearly shouted. Right, right, sorry, Timmy said and looked back into the class. Mrs. Lockwood was still working on her crossword. A door opened down the hallway, and before anyone could come out, Kyle grabbed Timmy again and led him back to the classroom. Kyle pulled up a chair next to Timmy's desk. Mrs. Lockwood looked up and then, after adjusting her bra slightly, went back to the crossword puzzle. Mr. Peterson poked his bald head into the classroom. He looked sweaty and pale. He said something to Mrs. Lockwood, and then Todd came in behind him, and he too looked a little sickly. Todd and Mr. Peterson exchanged a glance as Todd went to take his seat next to his goons in the back of the class, and Timmy felt a thousand words pass back and forth between the two of them in that glance. Todd turned Mr. Peterson, Timmy thought, and he tried to convey this to Kyle with a raised brow and a nod of the head. But whatever talent Mr. Peterson and Todd had for passing messages non-verbally, Timmy and Kyle completely lacked this. Todd stopped walking halfway through the classroom. When down the hall, someone screamed. I was gonna wait, he said. But I'm hung, re <laughs> Get it? I'm hung, re Like I'm super hung, re he said, roaring with laughter. Mrs. Lockwood looked like she was going to grab Todd and drag him out by his hair. But then his throat opened like a blooming strange flower with pink and purple meaty petals, tubes like strange anthers dropped out, hanging all the way to the ground. Hmm, see what I mean about the hung part? Todd said, grinning like a lunatic. The tentacles shot from his neck, grabbing Lanny and one of the girls who Timmy didn't know in the study circle. They were pulled to the ground and thrashed about for a moment as the insane slurching noise pervaded the room. Students got up and screamed. Mrs. Lockwood said, Todd! Todd, you, you sit d- 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 um, Oh, Jesus! Oh, oh, my Jesus! Then stood up, because that is what teachers are supposed to do when students are being attacked in the classroom. They stand up. They stand up for the kids against the kid with the gun. But what was she supposed to do with this? Todd! She tried to shout, but it came out weak and without any force. He turned towards her, tentacles out, dripping with green gruel. Timmy tried to leap into action, but one of Todd's tentacles caught him, and instead of latching onto his neck and sucking it, it wrapped like a boa constrictor around its prey, and then brought him toward the flower-like opening. 
And as it did, he could see Todd's face hanging open backwards. In one eye, there was an animalistic hatred, and in the other, fear. Todd is still in there, Timmy thought, but that thought was immediately abandoned by his own fear. He couldn't move. He couldn't squirm. He was being brought into the flower, a flower that had a throat full of razor-sharp teeth. Timmy heard Mrs. Lockwood scream. He heard the slorching, and then his head was driven forward. An inch or less from the teeth, the flower started to close when suddenly he was let go. He crashed over a desk, stepped on the girl who had, as training had taught, hid underneath her desk. Timmy spun around to see that Kyle had stabbed Todd with a metal pen right in the side of his neck. Green goo flowed from the hole. Todd screeched and dropped Mrs. Lockwood, who slid down the wall, leaving a greasy trail of blood and green slime down the chalkboard. Timmy and Kyle ran. The hallway was once again pandemonium, but of a different kind. Instead of kids letting off the restlessness built up in the previous hour of sitting, they were running, screaming, and dying. Miserable, violent half-deaths, only to come back infected and changed. It was amazing how quickly it was happening. Kyle and Timmy ran toward the back door, that little used janitor's door. They reached the door without being stopped or slowed, but once they were there, they found Allison fumbling with the door handle. She was shaking so badly that she couldn't get the door undone. Timmy, had he not already become numb by what had happened, may have felt the same way. He could see that Allison hadn't gotten over the initial shock yet, which meant she probably hadn't seen what was happening for very long. Move, Kyle said. Here, said Timmy, let us. And he took Allison by the arm. At first, she cried, and then she hugged him. The mix of emotions Timmy felt almost made his whole experience worth it. That hug erased so much of the horror for the briefest of moments. He nearly forgot where he was and what was happening, but then he heard the sounds of someone ambling down the adjacent hallway. He grabbed Allison and Kyle by the arms and pulled them to the space behind a row of lockers where they were partially hidden from sight. Whoever it was, a boy, stumbled by the hall in the other direction. Timmy felt relief before he heard the click of the latch and then the squeaking of the hinges as the door swung open behind them. They turned, and in that moment, so much of Timmy's previous fantasies were realized in the most horrible of ways. The door had opened from the outside. Mrs. Lockwood had dropped down from the second-story window, as far as Timmy could tell. Somewhere along the way, her shirt had torn. She wore a large red brassiere that barely held her considerable breasts. She tore the door open and sneered at them before her throat opened like a flower. Her large tentacles took Allison and shoved her down feet first. Her throat worked like a giant snake, slowly shifting and screaming Allison down until all that was left was her head. There, a mostly shirtless Mrs. Lockwood with the head of Allison, her head on a womanly body, descended on Timmy and Kyle her plant-like appendages reaching towards them as they fell backward down the hallway.
Okay, Matt. We're set up with the translator I found on the internet, and we are ready to broadcast. <sighs> oh, okay. You got your script ready for the general secretary? Yep. Got your knee pads on? Yeah, ready to go. How wide can you open your mouth? What does that have to do? Oh, never mind. Nobody's calling him a wow Zedong anyway. Okay, we're live broadcasting to China. Uh, dear Mr... What was his title? Uh, dear Mr. Important Chinese Guy, I want you to know that I fucking love China. Kung Pao... No, no, not Kung Pao. Kung Fu Panda is a great movie. My daughters love it. Almost as much as I do. Godzilla? Well, that came from somewhere somewhere over there. Now, what else? Uh, stay on script, Matt. You know, no, you know what? Screw the script. I'm going to speak from the heart. Are, are they the ones who came up with hentai? I mean, if that's the case, we owe them our very identity. Thank you, Mr. Important Asian Slicked Back Hair Guy, for being the father of monster porn. Can we call you daddy? Matt, I don't think anything you've said is accurate. You know, you know what? Screw it. If I am going to speak from the heart, I, I'm not sorry, China. You know what? I'm not. I mean, sure, it's probably offensive to hear what other countries must mistakenly think is your national anthem coming out of somebody's asshole, but it was the bad Chinese food that did it, and maybe that's the problem. All I've ever had and all I've ever known about China is nothing but mediocre American-made Chinese food for my entire life. That's all I know about you. That is, you know, if it's after seven... You don't go to the Chinese buffet and get the Szechuan chicken because you'll blow an O-ring out if you do. I know nothing about you, China. Is that my fault? I should know more about you. I probably should. You know, Matt, you got something there. I think you're right. We only know what the Western media wants us to know. Maybe, Matt. We just need to be more educated about China. For all we know, it's all buddhas sitting under trees raining jewels in a soft warm breeze while dancing gods play pipa and pan flute sometimes i worry that the western media is only trying once again to beat the war drum and make enemies for profit you know yeah you know what brett you know what i think you're right so dear holy asian mr donald trump man we invite you to open up to us and educate us about you show us who you really are we've got a return transmission from the people's democratic dictatorship in beijing it's the general secretary. Oh! Oh, oh God. The office is filled with a pile of corpses and... And... Those glassy, animalistic eyes. Is that... Winnie the Pooh feasting on the corpses of the people? Oh, is this Food Network? Never thought to try to dip that in sweet and sour. Monster Porn Podcast is a production of the People's Democratic Dictatorship. Wait, this isn't the original script. Today's story was The Little Red Book by Mao Zedong. That wasn't the story. Music by Brett Norwood. Well, it got that right. The Capitalist Swine. Ah, oh, goddammit.
Well, that was another fucked up episode of Monster Porn. No kidding. Hey, what's going on down that alley? I don't know. Oh, oh God, don't look. That's, oh, that's Blizzard Entertainment and the NBA and Apple down on their knees, tossing someone's salad in the alleyway. Oh God, it's communist China. They're tossing communist China's salad. For a red state, there sure is a lot of, hey, that's why they call it brown nosing. I just got that. Oh, God, at least I hope they're getting paid for this. Uh, Brett? Brett, what is it? You've got a strange expression on your face. I was just thinking, you know, how since we're not on Patreon yet, or anything we could maybe use a little bit of... Oh my god, Brett, no! I'm just wondering how much they're getting paid is all. Oh, Brett. Well, you're not wrong. We could use the money. Oh, wait. Oh, hell no! Now Kami China is turning around and asking for a... For uh, a oh my god! Is that... Is that a... Sloppy, sloppy Blumpkin! Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. I, I know what that filthy move is called. What's that? That's a Pooh Bear.